Your grassroots with Whangarei probably said that wrong, and Northland Carvers. What was it like growing up as a rugby league player in New Zealand? Uh, I'll be honest, CJ, I never played um, league until I left uh, New Zealand. I had maybe, oh. actually, I played three games of rugby league before I moved to Australia. So mm -hmm. rugby, rugby union background all the way up till I was about, uh, or till I left, so I was 16. So yep, uh, loved the game, always wanted to be an all black, had big ambitions, dreams. Become uh, a Kiwi instead. <laughs> like every mushroomy Kiwi kid here in New Zealand. And I was chasing those dreams. I was yep. going after it. And uh, so union was, was the forefront of my mind as a kid. Yep. I had an opportunity to play rugby league, three games, and then got picked up to move to Australia. And uh, that's how the journey started. So Must have impressed really well for just three games. They're like, hey, come to Australia. Maybe they just saw this big guy and just thought, oh, maybe we can work with them. Again, bro, as today's day and age comes around, a lot of kids are getting picked up at 14, 15, 16. 16 yeah. so, um, is quite old these days because uh, 14 year olds are getting picked up and signed up by managers and um, yep in like academies and stuff and moving to countries yeah, and starting them in academies so yeah never really played too much league uh, you know had a pretty pretty uh, cool um, upbringing grew up on a farm small farm country town not much going on got to ride horses to school oh, uh, nice. driving, driving cars at a young age maybe 11 um, no police officers where I grew up uh, everyone knew everyone, family <laughs> members. Yep. Uh, best part of my um, my childhood dreams were much were growing up on a farm. Uh, Dad was a rugby union player, so I went everywhere with Dad. Um, and then, yeah, we moved on and uh, rugby league popped up and gave it a crack. Yeah, fair. Um, just want to do a quick sponsor mention for the podcast, as we're obliged to. Our main sponsor is the Gold Coast Trading Cards. They're an NRL trading card dealer. So if you guys want 2021 cards or even 1960s cards, go through Gold Coast Trading Cards. And yes, they do ship internationally, but message them for international pricing. And, you know, Bob's your sister. They are honestly so good. I was a I was a buyer from them before, I was even a, before they even sponsored me. And they're just great. Um, next topic. So you then obviously come over to Australia, uh, played at North Devils with future teammate Greg Inglis, um, yeah. and became a junior Kiwi in '02 and '03. What was that like? Uh, oh, I guess becoming a, a junior Kiwi was part of the journey of you know chasing their dream of one day playing for your country. Yep. Going over to Australia at a young age, not knowing what may happen, I got put into a really good uh, rugby league system in school at Wavell Heights. Mm -hmm. uh, I went there on the back of, uh, back then it was the Rival Life Cup, and went to that school on the back of them winning it. So they won it in 2002, and I go to school 2003 there. So treated like kings, uh, <laughs> yep. um, because big expectations at the school, because they won the year before, had a couple of boys um, stay on from the previous year and I ended up captaining that, that, that team and that's wow. the league team my first year in rugby league over there uh, but then yeah I just come through some schools come through the school system our development development pathways went from school into North Devils who were contracted yep, yep. or who were the pathway for the Melbourne Storm yep um, and that's where I got to meet some of the the legends of our game that, uh, that yeah uh, you know, 300 plus gamers down at the Melbourne Storm, and uh, you know, like you mentioned, Greg Inglis as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then you got your debut in 2006 against the Tigers. What was it like, you know, getting the call up from Bellyache, and you know, the whole week leading up to that? Well, I guess as a as a kid aspiring to play in NRL, it's obviously a dream come true. It, it puts in perspective. Uh, the hard work, the sacrifices, um, the friends you leave behind, mm. um, the late days, the long days, the late nights, and the hard work that you've put in over, for me, it would have been, I guess, from, from, a, from a young kid, I guess, I can't just say it was the time that I was in Australia because everything leads to something and, yeah. you know, and you've got to have that passion and drive and work ethic and commitment and sacrifice from a young age. So it was a reward for everything that I... You know, first of all, leaving my leaving my home, leaving my country, leaving my mates behind, and getting uh, an opportunity to represent the Melbourne Storm, which was a dream come true at 21, I think. So, yep. Uh, got an opportunity to play in that game against the West Tigers. There was talk 
start of the season that I think their first game was against the Warriors round one. Yep. Six, and I made was the talk was that I might get an opportunity to play in that game, which would have been um, a, a massive highlight for me as it's obviously my home yeah. uh, town. Play against the Warriors would have been pretty cool, but the opportunity to come around again to the, uh, round six against the West Tigers. And uh, my mum and uncle came over from New Zealand to spend that a special moment with me and yeah I guess it's just a dream come true like I said like after everything that I had gone through and put, put myself through for you know the past 60 or 20 20 years I guess from kid to where I am where I was yeah for sure um and just a quick mention to some fans we've got in the chat Dylan Cutchin is a devout Melbourne tragic so he says g'day so g'day to Dylan um and and Jared he's actually one of the owners of Gold Coast Training Cards thank you for tuning in uh next topic is your first NRL try it didn't come until two years after in 2008 what was that like you know again it's again a what was that like but scoring your first try um bloody long time ago <laughs> um I guess as a as a player, you want to score one try a year. That's yeah, so you get off the nitty that, run. <laughs> that's, your, that's your goal and that's your aim. And I don't care when it becomes. It's yep. just making sure you got twenty six rounds to score one try, and you want to make sure you get off the off the nitty run because uh, when I came through, there's a lot of older guys <laughs> from the past that um, you know rode, rode you pretty hard if you didn't score a try, and the nitty runs were a lot different then to what they would be now yeah so yeah 2006 2007 missed out and i just you know i think i might have, i think i might have been at like maybe 50 25 nearly no it would have been like 30 something games before yep. i scored my try and i was wondering what the i was maybe i was trying to go for a record on the um the least and oh the most games of no try without a try yeah <laughs> oh, why not try that one then if i'm not going to score a try in two years Maybe I'll just try and get a record for the yeah the most games of no tries. But yep. um, I think I scored. May may have been. I can't remember. Maybe it's against Cronulla. I think it was Cronulla. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was near the post. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I just was stoked. You know what I mean? But, <laughs> yeah. You're but, like, hey, I'm off the nudie run. I don't care that yeah, I scored. Well, that's, that's all it was. The adrenaline that runs through your mind and through your head and your body when you score that try. It's like. It's more you're thinking about, yes, I'm off the nudie run. That's all it is. I don't care if I've scored I care that I'm off the nudie run because I've been doing that for the last couple of years. So uh, it was nice to get off the nudie run. That's yeah. what I'm trying to say. No, that's good. Um, you did taste a bit of bittersweet um, in your first season, the 06 Grand Final. Um it was your debut season, which was the sweet part, but bitter going down to a future team that you were to play for, the Broncos. What was it like? Uh, I'll be honest, much really took the grand final for granted. Uh, 21 first year in, 16 games, I think I played that year, and was just grateful to, for the opportunity to be involved in such a, um, you know, such a great experience for my first year of NRL. And to play against the Broncos, <laughs> the Broncos, and the stars that the stacked play. team they had, and yeah. At that time, I was new to rugby league, so I, you know it was just another person in front of me. I didn't, yeah. I didn't know too much of the history of the Broncos and the players too much. Yes, I heard all the talk about who they were, but you know, I was a kid at 21. I was just grateful for the opportunity and playing in the grand final my first year in. So, uh, yes, I disappointed, but it gave me uh, and gave obviously the players with us more motivation for the following year to try and be involved in that game again. Yeah, and well, you did like three more years in a row with the Storm, 07, 08. Um, obviously, there's the, the future ones, un unfortunately, were, you know, the history shows what happened there. What was it like playing in, in 07 and 08? So I, I, I got an injury off the back. Oh, that's right. Off, off the um, Kiwis uh, Tour, that I got selected in in 06. Mm. So I picked up an injury and then uh, that kept me out right up until the last trial. But then just before the last trial, I ended up getting injured again while I was coming back. Yep. Before I even knew it, the boys were just on fire. They had an outstanding yeah. year, right? And it was hard to get in that team. I think I may have managed maybe six games, not even that in that year because... Yep, because just everyone was just everyone was like just, that. They were killing it. And um, so I ended up being, I think it might have been 19th man. So, you know what I mean? It was just great to be around the boys. Yeah. You're part of the team just as much as everyone else is in that yeah. team. You know, you help them in that success and you train against them and you prepare them for that day. So... 
uh, you know, great, great to be around that team, happy for the boys. And then 08 comes around, yeah, we go again, up against, uh, again. The same team, Manly. I again reckon, yeah, no, but if you go back again, a pretty stacked team. Yeah. Stacked Manly team that have been, yeah, obviously the rivalry started heating up then. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and the storm, so... You know, disappointing loss, uh, got smashed, we lost Cameron Smith. Uh, lost do, you, do you believe Cameron was the, the X factor that, you know, was the oh, difference? I think he can, I think what Cameron's done and what he what he does and continued to do on the field, uh, if I look back, yeah, without a doubt, I think he was a big part in, that, in our team throughout the year and continued to be throughout his years in his football and you can see what he brought to the team, so... Yeah, I guess we missed that part of uh, the the nine part where Cameron controlled most of the um, the game and touched yep. the most out of anyone. So knows which options to choose. Yeah. So, no, that's yeah, fair. Yeah, he, he would. He, I think he is. He, he would have been at least. He was that missing X factor. Even if the Storm may have gone on to not win, with as in would have if they'd have gone on to lose that same grand final. If Smith was playing, it would have been a lot less of a scoreline, I reckon. I think, oh, I think so. But I'll tell you what, Manly were hot that day. Yeah, we, they were. They touched. Uh, the Ten of gold. You know, it just yeah. They you know, Brett Kai was running off the kickoff, hitting his winger, cut baseball across bloody the center. They run down the other end, score a try. Like not many people do that these days, and mm. they were just hot that, that hot that night. And yeah, no, they were they were a pretty good team. Now that's fair enough. Well, let's not talk about the grand final losses um, any longer. You then went on to play with the Tigers and the Broncos. Um, First of all, what was it like f- with the culture difference and, you know, in general, going to the Tigers and then also going to the Broncos? Uh, if I if I be honest, uh, I, I I guess I never knew anything else about any other club, but I, I thought that when I left Melbourne that most clubs would be the same. As in structure, professionalism, uh, all that. Professionalism, culture. But they weren't? Then they at the Mount like the Melbourne Storm, but I get there and I get a bit of a rude awakening. Uh, and not saying that it's a bad thing. Everyone has their own culture. And yeah. Well, well, you were like six years settled into the storm yeah. at that point, you know. And I knew nothing less, so, nothing else. So, and that's what I thought. So, uh, a, a big difference. Obviously, come down to Sydney with uh, a big name tag on the back of my shoulders, coming off some pretty classy performances down in Melbourne, playing off the likes of Cooper Cronk, who which made me my money throughout my years. Uh, because I didn't do anything, I just ran a line, and he hit me wherever I needed to be. And yep, you know that they were just a well-structured team back in the day, and you just got your job done, and that's all you had to do. So obviously, a lot of difference when you come down there. I played with Benji Marshall, who uh, oh, I, yeah, I was so keen to just be a part of a team with Benji, and obviously a dream for every Kiwi player or every kid to play along Benji Marshall and I got to play outside Benji yes a lot different to Cooper Cronk on the stars of on the way they play and the stars they play so all those things had to come into consideration when I was playing in my position learning different structures different game coming into a different culture organization they come off you know had some old Awesome. Some players there that were key to their success in the early parts of the of the grand finals that the Tigers played. Mm-hmm. So you know, I came with a lot of um, expectations, and most probably didn't deliver to what they wanted. You know what I mean? I tried to implement some of the things that I did down in Melbourne into you know the club or into the team. Mm-hmm. Didn't, didn't really fit in. Uh, everything that I learned. To be honest, I think that the Melbourne Storm were a fair way in front of the Tigers when it comes to standards and okay. stuff like that. So, so you were basically having to backtrack and relearn the things yeah, that you'd already learned. And that's what I thought I was I was doing. I was going backwards a fair bit with all those kind of things because I was, I guess, maybe I was distracted on trying to, uh, instead of focusing on, you know, the club and what they wanted. Trying to focus on your personal growth as a player. Yeah, I was trying to, yeah, say... That's well, nothing wrong with that. Yeah, but it, it didn't work. It didn't mm. work. It didn't work for me down there. Uh, as I as I got used to it, bro, the pressure pressure was pretty full on. Yeah. Uh, you know, media, social, uh, fans obviously got involved. Uh, I wasn't performing well. 
to what I what what I wanted to be, and I knew that I could perform at. So pressure from everyone, including myself, and which this yeah. is where most of the pressure comes as athletes and as yes, yeah, your worst home critic is is your head. Your personal pressure that you put on yourself. So that's the hardest thing. And I knew I wasn't performing up to my standards. And the things that I did in Melbourne, I tried to do on the field at Tigers, which was making me stand out like dog balls. If I, if I put it in a simpler, you know, simpler way. Yep. If I came out and, and the things that I learned and I still had done last year, like coming out putting kick pressure on or going to get inside pressure, all the little basic things, the little 1% of things that I did in Melbourne, I tried to do down in Tigers, didn't work because oh, yeah. I, like I said, I stood at like dog balls and if someone beat me back on the inside from me going to put kick pressure on and my mates weren't there, normally I'd have a team that understood what was happening. And yeah, they'd be like, oh shit, I should support this player. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. But it didn't work that way. So okay. those little things uh, were things that I was like, what do I do now? Do I keep doing my things or do I try and just fit into the system at the Tigers? And I kind of just realized that I've got to fit into their system and do what they need me to do rather than uh, whatever, everything that I've learned, uh, put that behind me and try and um, fit into the system. So I did that. I did yeah. that. I started enjoying myself down at Tigers in my, in my third year things start turning around i think in that time that i played down there i played 75 games and most wow i didn't miss uh maybe missed one game suspension uh but played most games and we were for a period there when i turned up that we had a lot of senior players not on the field so obviously they looked up to me for leadership yeah okay uh leadership so we had a lot of young kids who now are playing first grade luke brooks dave nofaluma uh, off the mind, Jesse Swasa Sue. Yep. These guys all come out of um, the competition, the New South Wales Cup. Yep. So they were, if, if, to be honest, if I look back, they may have not got a chance to play NRL if we had a full strength side on the field. Yeah. Woodsy was there as well, and Woods was there as well. So those guys all got the opportunities through obviously injuries, and that's how most boys get their opportunities. Yeah. Maybe a couple of years a bit early. So obviously me being an older guy, me being so experienced from a, in what they called an experienced player from the Melbourne Storm, uh, had to try and guide this young Tigers team around the field and try and lead and didn't work. That's fair. Um, and then you obviously jetted off to the Broncos um, for, I think it was 2015 till 2017. Uh, again, what was it like um, and everything in general that we just sort of spoke about with the Tigers, but up at the Broncos? Yeah, loved it. Most probably <laughs> um, the most exciting part of my my career when I was, like when you sign a contract or when you move somewhere, um, I was really excited as again for for many reasons wasn't performing well at the tigers an opportunity to be coached by wayne bennett who oh, I met yeah at um world cup in 2008 for the kiwis yep uh, my wife's from brisbane my kids were born in brisbane her family's there so there was a lot to be excited about and i felt that it was the right time to leave a year earlier than i was than i wanted to uh, to be able to get that, that, I guess, the love back and form yeah. back under my feet and yep. the belief in my ability. And you know what? Like like I said before, a bit of not why why not go when you got Wayne Bennett who oh exactly the, the master coach when it comes to I guess helping guys reconnect with the love of the game or even believe in them to to play the best they can and yeah why. I, you know, I didn't think twice about it. Yes, I was disappointed that I couldn't finish off my last year at the Tigers because I feel that if I have a contract for four years, that's how I should, I should yep. finish my contract. That's just who I am. But it didn't work out that way, and I got an opportunity to go to Broncos and love the three years I was there, bro. It was much probably the funnest time I've had in a long time. That's awesome. Um, and what was the professionalism like? Obviously, you went from the structure at the Storm to the, you could say, lack thereof at the Tigers. What was it like up with the Broncos? Um, uh, it'd be pretty close to a Melbourne Storm-like back mm -hmm. when I first turned up. Um, some old heads there that drove those standards, which was Corey Parker, Justin Hodges, Sammy Thiday. Those were the yep. three guys that were... Oh, Darius Boyd, who were the... Um, the, the four leaders. The, the leaders, yep. 
had been there for a while and they drove those standards, which the Melbourne Storm did a similar similar thing with Cameron Smith, Billy Slater and Cooper Cronk. Yep. Brian Hoffman as well. So those guys drove those high standards. We had a, a lot of guys coming through their 20s system back then. So yeah. Ben's, who's already played a fair few games by then. But, you know, the Andrew McCulloch's, the Ben Hunts, those kind of guys that were there um, with them. So they had a really good culture uh, before I turned up. And, you know, obviously come where Wayne turns up and literally puts us into play straight away. And there was no expectation when I got up there, to be honest. Like, I didn't wow. know anything about those boys. It was just get up there. Um, I had a good chat with Wayne before I, I turned up to Broncos about just that he knows what I can bring. Just go out there and just bring the belief back in your game that you can play the way you do and we will get players around you to, to help you do that. So Yeah. Um, well, I mean, just the proof's in the pudding. Broncos made the grand final in 2015, your first year at the Broncos. Yeah, yeah. And the good thing, the thing about that was that obviously Wayne was coming back. There was massive talk about Wayne and what he can do in his first year at the Broncos after being away for so long that... No one really picked us to be too good in the competition. We just, yeah. we just went about our business. Uh, and before everyone realized that we were in semi-finals playing against the Roosters. And oh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big Broncos fan. That's why the jersey. So I was like, that year, don't get me wrong, still stings a bit with the grand final. But yeah. the regardless, you guys made it. Literally coming off about, I think it was about four weeks before the finals, getting flogged by Manly. Yeah. Right, at Central, I was at that game at Central Coast Stadium, and so many people were riding the Broncos off for the finals because of that loss. Well, to anyone who's listening who may not know, Broncos beat Manly, went on to the grand final. Manly didn't even make finals that year. Yeah. So, sorry, continue. Yeah, so yeah, so that that was the good thing about there. Uh, I honestly enjoyed my football. We had a good crew of boys around. Uh, who drove those standards there was good competition there was great competitiveness around the group young guys versus older guys uh, and I think that's the key to um, having a successful obviously with culture and mm. our standards having that competitiveness throughout the the playing group is important to your team for the competition I, I think and it challenges you every day it makes keeps you accountable it keeps you honest um, because you know behind you or behind on behind your shoulders that there's a young kid that's trying to just waiting to get your spot yeah so it made you better as a player because you worked harder uh, to keep them from getting your spot <laughs> if, you, if you stuffed up Wayne would tell you that you wouldn't be in the team next week and it's pretty clear and honest Wayne and uh, if you get on, a, get on his bad side he'll tell you what it's like and he'll, he'll hit you straight between the eyes so yeah best time of my life right up in, um, up in Brizzy just for all those reasons and outside of footy as well yeah, for sure. Um, and we'll cap off the last part of your playing days after we talk about the Warriors with, you know, talk about the Battle of Brookvale, etc. But um, obviously your last club that you played for, you could say it was kind of a full circle. You went back to New Zealand and played for the Warriors. What was that like? Um, I think I've told a fair few people of the story is that, um, you know, from afar, I've always, obviously, I, I know my connections, I know my roots, and I know where I who I am as a person and I thought maybe one day maybe one day if it came around that I may get an opportunity to go home and play for the Warriors I always if there was a team that I supported besides obviously up the team that I'm playing for it was obviously the Warriors I wanted them to do well not only for the Warriors but for New Zealand in general yeah yeah so uh, I get an opportunity to go home which was most probably a tough call because we were enjoying ourselves in Brisbane at that stage I knew what my life looked like and I and I, it wasn't about it wasn't about money at that stage for me so I was I wanted to stay at the Broncos yes Warriors were giving me good money but I did Broncos just weren't giving me enough if you know what I mean like it wasn't bad it was it was pretty bad if I'll be honest it was pretty bad um, it wasn't like a you know a respectful offer and a lot of the other older guys may say the same thing that, you know, because you, you're at a, such a good club is that, you know, they look after you. But as you get older, a lot of people take less and less there because of the organisation, the club that you belong to there. But yep. I get an opportunity to go home. Yes, good money. 
that was one reason. Uh, my, my other reasons were to give back to New Zealand Rugby League, uh, to help young kids develop into better rugby league players, to be better people. And then the other one was obviously my cultural connection and bringing yeah. my family back to New Zealand, who are my two boys are born in Australia, my wife's Australian. But your your boys are technically part Māori because of you. Yes. So bringing them home to experience the cultural side of things, especially my wife as well, just to understand what it means to me and what my culture means to me so that they can have a little bit of awareness. If I means one day going back to Australia, at least they got a taste of what Māori culture looks like and yep. how, much, how passionate I am about our culture. So... Yeah, that was the, the third reason is, is, is those three things is, yeah, good, yes, good money, uh, coming home to help young kids develop into good footballers and good people and then our cultural connection. Yeah, for sure. And your last season was last year, 2020. Obviously, we all know how that season went. It was absolutely brutal. So first of all, thank you very much to you and the club for your sacrifice in coming over to Australia. Um, what was it like, first of all, your last season, um, the whirlwind of the COVID BS and the final game, it was against Manly of all teams, given your history with Manly and the Harker at the end of the game? Um, it was... Um yeah, it was, again, a crazy year for everyone. You know, we take off to start our season to, and one game in where they're talking about that we can't um, get home and we're never going to get home till, and we could be here for the rest of the year. When 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 a lot of us have families and stuff like that, so, the, so it was hard at the time to try and focus on rugby league and mm. try and uh, make a commitment to the players and to the group that, you know, our forefront focus is rugby league because... If you ask anyone, it wasn't uh, because we're such a family-orientated club that when we do leave our families, it's it's we've, we've made it already made a sacrifice every week. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. So we make those sacrifices every week because we obviously play for the Warriors and we know what's expected that we have. Every to away play. game, yeah, was a sacrifice. Yeah, we've already our we've already given a sacrifice already before we left. So. We, Making the the ultimate sacrifice was to leave our families behind, which we knew that. Well, again, if you you know read the read the news and read the paper, but you knew that we weren't going to get our families over there. And we had some promises from the NRL that as soon as you guys get over there, we'll have the, the families over there straight away. Um, you know, once the bubble opens, and I, you know, I'm. Obviously, I understand how it all works and I see all these things. So I knew that that wasn't going to happen. There wasn't going to be a bubble. Things were getting worse before they were going to get better. And they're still only now. So not as bad. But, you know, I mean, we can't travel all around the world. No. So, you know, the the thing that helped me is that my wife's Australian. And I said to her, well, I've got to go. It's work. You know what I mean? If I don't go to work, I don't get paid. Yep. No matter how less paper we get we've still got to make money somewhere yeah in the midst of all that we come home we we go into a six week i think six week lockdown here yep before can't leave the oh you can leave the house for exercise and that's it uh go to the grocery stores one person from your family can go to the grocery store so did your wife and kids manage to come over being australian citizens by birth so they got over okay so they ended up coming over in the end but yeah in that time uh, it would have been I, very difficult. I was comfortable with the situation we were in as a family, so okay. made the decision a lot easier because I knew that she could get into the country. Yep. And my boys will be coming as well. So, you know, going to Tamworth for 14 days was must be a good thing because that's where we quarantine, quarantine together as a group made out. That was going to be our start to a year. Yeah. Uh, and there was two weeks of torture, I thought. Um, <laughs> training yep. Training wise, not um, oh. not in the hotel. We had the whole hotel to ourselves, mate. We were spoiled, <laughs> you know. We could we could walk around pretty comfortably and not have any problems. Yep. But um, the training was torture because we had because we had six week lockdown. We were expected obviously to train. Yeah. And then weeks, and I'll tell you what, I mostly got total. You know, if I work it out, maybe four hours and. You know, in that six weeks where I was able to get a total of four hours workout done, you know what I mean? Like wow. two boys made in, you know, 10 minutes in, they're screaming, you know, or fighting. And I'm just like, well, how am I expected to do some training? Yes, I've got to find the time. 
Um, so that was the hardest thing, trying to make sure that you stayed fit so that you could prepare yourself for the season ahead. Yep. And like I said, I would have... If the season was to go ahead, because we weren't yeah. sure if it was at that point either. Yeah, so I, I honestly would have had four hours of training. So instead, obviously, the training side of things, it was making sure that my diet was on point rather than if I'm not going to train properly... Yep, at least make sure your diet's on in check. So I need to make sure that something's going to be, you know, my weight's going to be everything. I would have lost that much muscle, mate. I rocked up like as... <laughs> Uh, didn't do much training at all, but then that two weeks was like I said torture. We worked our butts off. We got a few injuries out of it, most probably because we worked our butts off. Mm-hmm. And you know we had staff helping us out for the bloody training sessions and field sessions. It was crazy, crazy year. But one year uh, that I won't forget, and a lot of those kids won't forget as well because it was a journey, it was an experience. It would have bonded the team so much more so. Yeah, and I, I think after everything and all the adversity that we went through through the first half of the year, you know, losing a coach, uh, players mm. going home, uh, quarantine, all the protocols. The whole clusterfuck, for lack yeah, of a better term. Just everything um, was an experience and was so much adversity on such a young group, which was the, obviously the positive about that, the young kids they don't really look at the bigger pictures you know yeah they just see what's in front which is a good thing for our group um so a couple of the older boys yeah we we obviously trying to hold them together and that, literally they just they're just carefree they it just goes you know goes running out the other yeah <laughs> they, they're just happy to be uh, near the beach uh playing what they you know playing football you know, they may not be getting as much money as a few of the older guys are, so any money is good money for them at that time. They get yep. to experience a, a different culture, a different country, uh, that they, they live there, and, you know, they get to play a, a, a game of football that they love, and, you know, we lose a coach, uh, we get Yeah, what was that like, and what was Toddy like when he come in? Well, the coaching, yeah, it was hard, because I think at the time, Stephen Kearney was our, our rock, you know, he brought mm. us together from you know our times in lockdown with all our meetings and stuff he was the person that brought the team closer together takes us to tamworth obviously connects us all together there and we ride our season with them you know i mean our first game off the back of tamworth we beat um you know the dragons yep 18 nil that was a great game um so you know it was exciting and things looked positive then and then we go up against a couple of quality sides and we get a hiding and there goes our coach gone at the back door uh the, the pressure of rugby league and as a coach uh just continues and he leaves but then we've just been very we're very lucky that we had a, some good assistant coaches in the roles that they were and that toddy just stepped straight in and toddy was really good for us i thought um he understood the group and what the needs of the group were and let us let us play the way we wanted to play and enjoy ourselves but on the back of that being you know discipline and looking after each other and having fun and that's what we did and it showed in our back half of the year we were competitive against some of the top of the, the better teams at the top of the competition and we we competed every game our defense was a lot better you know we turned up for each other we had heart we had grit we were tough at times but yeah and then we just also started enjoying our football yeah no that's awesome Honestly, that's so awesome. Um, now we've covered the playing part. Um, now let's go to some highlights of that career in particular. Uh, most notably, the 2008 World Cup. New Zealand win it. What was it like to be a part of that team? Because you played in all of the World Cup games and then winning it against Australia. Uh, yeah, obviously, first and foremost, it's obviously an honour and a pleasure to be a part of that team because any time you get to represent your country, uh, you, you don't take it for granted and I realized mm. that throughout my career that you know opportunities come and go and you've got to grab them at the at the right time so uh, you know I'm yeah three years into my NRL career and I get to play a World Cup with the New Zealand team with some pretty um, cool players some really well-known players some kids um, including myself and we go on to win it we go into the first game against Australia we get cleaned up and there's pretty much Aussies got the, the World Cup and they're taking home after that game. No one else can beat them. Uh, if there's anyone that's not going to be the Kiwis. So we go through the competition, you know, and we get to the end and we're in the final. We play Newcastle, or we play up in Newcastle, I think we play England up there. We yep. beat them. That's probably where the competition, 
I think if, if we like to play in Australia, England like to play New Zealand. Yeah. So we have to make sure that, obviously, every time you play England, you've got to get up for them. Normally, they're the, the team that's in your way to make that grand final. So yeah. <laughs> we always have, uh, you know, tough games against England. And uh, to be honest, we should beat them, but there's been times that we don't. And they're always in the way. So we get to, we, we beat them, we get that out of the way, and then we go into the week of the grand final. And I don't know, from, from I guess, from the win against the England, I could just feel that we had a, a belief in the team that we could beat the Australians. And the talk that week was just, even from Wayne, it was just believe in who you are as a person, as a player, believe what you can do and just go out there and play footy and win it. And a lot of the conversation that week was about winning. You know what mm. I mean? If you don't talk about winning, you end up bloody losing games, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, you know, you don't talk about how we can beat the Aussies. It's we're going to beat the Aussies because we're going to yeah. do this. You know what I mean? If you start thinking about hows and not doings, then you find... That's when you get into your own head a bit yeah, too much. Yeah. So the, the, the talk and the belief around that week was that this is what we're going to do to beat the Australians. We do this, we do this. We're going to win. We're going to win every run, blah, blah, blah. And that's You basically we, did. <laughs> we just, from the first kickoff, I just could feel the, the, and I could see in the boys' eyes that nothing was going to get in our way that night. Like that vibe of, we have got this. Yeah, and it was just, they were just hungry. A lot of boys got these rude haircuts that looked like last of the Mohegans. And I was just like, wow, if you can pull that off, then we're in for a good night. But they just looked ruthless. Mm, they Everyone did. Everyone just had that killer instinct in the eyes. And then we just chased the game. We just went after it. We went after it from the from the kickoff. And we just, we got lucky in some um, some instance in the game, but we created that, that pressure onto them that they never felt before. And a lot of the Aussie teams that you play against, if you take them to a place that they've never been before, they don't know how to react. So mm. I feel that obviously all the pressure was on Australia to beat beat New Zealand because they should because they had the better team or that's what they said and if you take them to a place where they're uncomfortable then they don't know how to perform under that pressure so that's where we took them we took mm-hmm. them there and we ended up coming over the top and some of the plays that players normally would execute didn't execute on that night for them so you know we took them out of the game by just starving them and just being hungrier for everything that that, that was out there Honestly, that's awesome. It's great to hear. Um, and you being the second New Zealand Maori to, or New Zealander in general, to play 50 games for the New Zealand Kiwis. Again, it's a what was that like to notch 50 on, on your belt? Well, 51, but 50 in general. Yeah, um, I, I've said to everyone before, it's, for me, it's never been about, you know, the records or the accolades or the things that I've done. It's just, I just enjoy what I've done throughout my time in rugby league and, you know, I got some a few rewards for doing what I did and what I loved. Then I played for my country, which I would have never dreamed to, but I always wanted to. Um, and I got to do my 50th game here in New Zealand in front of my my grandma, who has now passed away, uh, my two kids and my wife, who was on the field with me at the time. And we played at Eden Park, which wow. is obviously a special moment. My my grandma can hardly walk at this time, so she we get her onto the we get her onto the the field. I hold my youngest son and my oldest boy stands next to me while we do the national anthem. And most really, if I think back, the proudest moment for a father um, to be able to stand there with his, his, I guess, his two kids, wife standing in front of me, and then my grandma, who has now obviously been, has now passed away, who has been a rock for our family. So, yeah, yeah a very special, touching moment. And then again, off the back of that, we won. Which is nice. Makes make goosebumps. Um, that would have been even better. Yeah. So so special times. Special times. That one. That was. That a, would have definitely been the highlight of your career. Do you reckon? Yeah. I think. I think if I look back, that's one of the most you know memorable ones because of the people I had around me at that time. For sure. And speaking of most memorable, this is not necessarily memorable for a good reason, but we've got to bring it up. The 2011 Battle of Brookvale at Manly. What was that like? Obviously, it was it was a whirlwind of emotion because few, the feud with Manly and Melbourne at the time. And talk, tell us about the man behind the moment. Uh, well, because obviously we're in Melbourne, uh, obviously pre the game. And I only found out after the game that the Rugby League Week comes out 
whenever it comes up back then. And yeah, I think it was Wednesdays or something. Myself and Glenn Stewart were front page. Yep. At that time, and oh, I can't ever watch much much rugby league when I was down there and didn't read too much papers because we're in Melbourne, you don't see much anyway. Yeah. So, so I found that obviously that there was we were the front page, but the rivalry was already there from the start anyway. Yeah. So we get out on the field, and I knew straight away from like the kickoff there was a lot of niggle in the game, and and I'm I'm, I'm I I was a niggler, so I don't so I'm I'll take it if they're niggling, they're just going yep. to be coming back. So. Part of the game back then is you were allowed to do a little bit. It was, of yeah, it was. Rough stuff on the ground and you get stuck in people's heads, which you can't do now. Um, but I could feel something was what it was. Was brewing, um, yeah. Not necessarily the old walk off the field and have a fight. But <laughs> no, I, no, not that bit. <laughs> you could just feel that the game was going to be a tough game and it could be, you know, something that's going to happen. And obviously, you know, Ryan Hinchcliffe gets up, plays the ball and hits Darcy Lussick in the face. And it just all started from then. We, we yep. you know, as as you do when you're playing rugby league, and before all the rules come in, you were allowed to run in and throw punches and stuff like that. Yeah, yep. ten minutes. That's all you got. You know, what I mean? yeah. you got ten minutes. Your fourth man in, which I think I was. You know, normally the fourth man in gets all the third man in gets in trouble. So you, you cop the ten minutes. You get off. You come back on and play the game. So I get off. Obviously, get in that fight, chuck a few punches, get in trouble, and then we get sent off. My. When I when we get sent off to ten minutes, the whole thought process for me was just to get off the field as quick as I can. Yep. And, um, my ten minutes starts when I'm off. You know what I mean? So I'm not. I'm. You know, if we watch the footage. Yeah, you're jogging. I'm not chasing uh, Glenn Stewart in any way. I'm just going in the same direction as he. Your did. head was down. I'm pretty sure watching the yeah. footage. Your head's down. You're jogging. You know, not looking at anyone. Nothing. So, so yeah. So you know, we're obviously down in Melbourne. You're taught to just jog to everything and get off as fast as you can because you know that's just how it works. Yeah. So I'm jogging off, and um, I kind of look obviously head down like you said, and then I get my head up and see the um, Glenn Stewart pulling up a bit. And I'm thinking, at the time, I'm thinking obviously we're a bit fired up, and I'm. Maybe said to him, you know, what the F's your problem? Yeah, okay. Um, you know what I mean? And, <laughs> Some and choice words, yep. And, that, and that's all that it was, you know what I mean? It wasn't anything else. It was much really, I said that, what the F's your problem? And then he stops and looks at me and then he grabs me and then he looks around and I'm thinking, oh, what's all He's on? looking around if he's like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll try to punch you. <laughs> he grabbed me from the collar. So I'm thinking, oh, we're not going to just be cuddling each other here. So, <laughs> you know, and that's how it all started. We just yep. get into each other and that's how it ends. And then normally, you know, you'd have a, you know, you might throw two or three punches and then, you know, that's it, it breaks up. But, you know, everyone else obviously makes it worse than what it was. Yeah. Um, and then that's how it all how it all started. There wasn't, you know. There's no animosity after the game or no? Not, not from me. Um, okay. You know, I think, you know, like what you, what you, like a lot of people say, you know, what you do on the field stays on the field. And that's how it is. If there was, you know, an inkling of that, it most probably was. I'm just very lucky that I caught Glenn, or Brett Stewart, at the corner of my eye, come flying in from the corner. Because yeah, otherwise you would have just. That oh. could have been a moment where he can hit me, and something dangerous could have happened. So if mm-hmm. there's any animosity towards anything, an inkling, it's that. It's long gone now. Uh, and granted, it was it was Brett and Glenn brothers, but yeah, yeah. exactly. So I was just lucky that yeah I caught him at the corner of my obviously clips me a little bit and I obviously fall down on the ground but if I didn't see him he clean knocks me out I reckon hundred percent yeah and, um, yeah like I said if there's any animosity to anyone it's that it's that but I'm very lucky that nothing um, come from it which it's now in the past and past you know, is the past it still um, it still gets bring, bring up brought up these, these days I think on the weekend. Uh, the Manly South game. I heard my, oh my, I was quite funny. My wife and I sitting on the couch, and I heard my name bring up. It's not, it's not the Manly um, Melbourne Storm, Brookvale, Adam Blair, and Glenn Stewart. And I was thinking, my wife and I looked at each other and just started laughing. We looked at the year, it's 2021, and they're still 10 years about on, it. yeah. You know what I mean? So, um, for me, not at most, most probably the the most memorable part of my career. But you do get a laugh at it nowadays. But nowadays, because now, you know what I mean? I've got kids um, and, you know, you're a role model and I'm a role model to my to my kids and what I do on the field normally reflects off the field to people that don't know me, which is mm. the hardest thing when you're a father is that what you do on the field, no matter who you are as a person or, what, or who they don't know you, they're still going to, portray as a person on the field. Eh? Exactly. And that's that's what I like to try and like 
debunk anyone that's whether it's a coach that's gone wrong with whatever whether it's a player that's had a moment such as the you know battle of brookvale i love to get them on to have them talk about the man behind the moment so people can just see that they're not bad people it's just heat of the moment type stuff on the field yeah i'm a good fella bro to be honest 100 percent. i'm i'm loving the chat um yeah so that, that was not the um the best moment of my career because at the same time i was coming off I was leaving the club. Mm. That was my, oh, well, they didn't know at that time and I didn't know myself, but I chose <laughs> to move on at the end of that year, which was the hardest thing because I finished at a club that I loved and gave me my opportunity um, that way. That's how mm. I left it in that way. So I was disappointed for that, disappointed for myself. I had to go obviously go to judiciary, which I'm experienced at. So it's really <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I was just disappointing that way. But now, if you look back, yeah, have a little bit of a laugh. Um, but yeah, the hardest thing is, you know, you're a role model to everyone, no matter if you don't think you are. And when you're out there in the moment, sometimes you get caught up in the moment and, uh, you know, you regret what you did. And that's pretty much what I do. I regret doing what I did. Can't change it now. It is what it is. Uh, I've moved forward and, you know, it's have a little laugh now. Exactly. Yeah, and that's fair enough. Thank you very much for telling us about that. Um Oh, I was going to say, which team was the toughest team to go up against? Like in general, whether it's you got up for them or you knew you were going to get in for a, a big match. Which team was that for you um, across all clubs that you played at? Um, I think for the Warriors, it's the Storm. Mm-hmm. For the Storm, I thought the Broncos. Yep. And for the Tigers... Um, I don't know with the Tigers. Parramatta. Okay. Yeah, that sounds. Yeah, that sounds about right. With that West West Co- like Westy type yeah, battle. I remember we had like a Easter Friday weekend in Sydney, and we had a big game at um, ANZ, and it was packed. Yeah. Packed out. It was a packed out game Easter weekend, and yeah, I, I, again, it's much probably not the hardest the hardest game but it's I think it's the biggest game for the Tigers when I was down there mm. Melbourne Storm obviously mate with the Warriors the Anzac game is yeah this game for the Warriors and they don't win it that much so the Warriors trying we always try to get up for it we knew that the Storm will get up for it because it's Anzac day and you know, and you'll get up for it because it's Anzac day yeah yeah and at the Broncos I was at the Broncos too um and the Broncos, obviously the cows, the cows. That game. Oh, hundred percent. Those those three years that I was there, unbelievable, unbelievable. The, f- the two games after the grand final, it finished very similar scoreline with one point. Unbelievable those games, bro. Like no matter what time of the game it was, it was never over till it was over. And I was just like, man, can we just like beat them or beat them <laughs> comfortably? Like you, we would always start the game really well. Yep. Come half time, 18-8 or something, 18-6. And then they'll come back and be 24 or 22-24. They've got to kick a goal to bloody equalize and go to goal. And I'm just like, come on, man. But <laughs> loved it. Loved those games. Um, the... You know, and just being involved in those games was so cool to be involved in. Now nah, that's awesome. Um, what are you doing these days with yourself since retirement? Um, so if um, if the club had it their way, I'd be in every single day at the club. <laughs> <laughs> but yep. thankfully, obviously, with COVID, the boys over in Aussie, and um, they're obviously playing the season over there, and it looks like they'll be there for the rest of the year, which is not, not a bad thing. Um, at least it's not put on them as in like last year it's like okay we can adjust to it now more so yeah. than last year I think, you know yes the, the, if there's some positives out of it no travel mm. uh, I was more, at round one it was a really good game more recovery days um, the boys are by the beach mate. they, they looked living up. the dream literally they're literally living the dream bro so that's the most of the positives out of it um, I wouldn't even couldn't even say there's too many negatives. The negatives are much more for our fans and our members, mm. um, and for our people back here in New Zealand. Those must be the negative ones. They don't get to see their team here at Mount Smart. Um, so I tell you what, with the first game they come back here, if Warriors don't take the games at Eden Park, they will. They're going to sell out wherever they come back to. It's mm. going to be um, a massive game, and I can't wait for that day because that'll be crazy. There was some talk online about every team giving one home game that they would have against the Warriors away in New Zealand 
next year. So the Warriors have all home games. And I think that's an amazing thing and it should be a thing given the sacrifice that they've done. Yeah, I don't know if that will happen. It's mostly a logistical I hope it does. Thing. A logistical thing, a cost thing. Uh, you know, the game's all about making money, to be honest. Yeah. So, you know, we're... We're the guys that go out there and do the work and stuff like that, but at the same time, is that's they make the money off us, you know what I mean? So yes, we should have a lot of pull and what a lot of say in how things pan out, and that's why we have the RLPA. Yep. Um, because we are what people come and pay to watch. We are yep. we are the NRL, and people come to watch and pay money because they want to see the best players out on the field. And uh, if, there were, if we could have a say in where we would go, then I'm sure if the players asked every club, I'm sure that would they'll give them an opportunity to at least hear it anyway. Yeah, at least, yeah. So, yeah, so going back to the question, bro, um, I help out in um, the development pathways here in New Zealand with um, Tony Ido and Stacey Jones. So, yep. three legends. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Well, you're definitely a Hall of Famer. I chucked myself in there now. I just chucked myself in there with Stace and Tony. Well, you are a legend of the game, mate. There's Honestly, by all means, call yourself a legend because you are. I don't call myself a legend, bro. I just help out a um, couple of good fellas that have done a lot of things for rugby league here throughout the country. Um, so I coach the defensive stuff for the development pathways here in New Zealand. So, yeah, I'm coaching some young kids, which I love, bro. I love because... That's the whole part of the reason, like I said earlier in the, in the talk about giving back and helping young kids be better players or be better people. And the thing I enjoy about it most is that I feel that I am relatable. Mm. Um, I can, I've obviously got experience. I know what it takes. I've been in their shoes before, but I try and I don't hold that up. In, in front of me I try and lower myself down to their level to be one of them and just yep. um, just help guide them sort of thing be relatable to them and obviously a similar a lot of people in New Zealand um, have grown up in a similar way so we're all pretty uh, we're all the same if that's what I'm trying to say is that we've all grown up similar we not, not a lot of a lot of rugby league players in New Zealand don't come from a lot of money they've had to work their butts off yep. a lot of Polynesian Maori people Pacific people over here don't have a lot of money so we've all come through this similar pathway so for me it's just about um, I guess giving my experience and my knowledge from what I've learned back to these kids so hopefully one day if they do play NRL or play rugby league that they're going to be better prepared for what's ahead and what's to come yeah for sure I think if I was to just go away for two years and take everything that I have in my brain or my knowledge and everything that I've learned over the 15 years of professional rugby league, then I think it would be a waste just to take that away from from these kids that I think this is what my purpose is, my purpose yep. is to give what I've learned back to these kids so that they can be better prepared for life and become a rugby league player. So that's part of what I do at the moment at the club. Um, on the back of that, I'm obviously doing some commentary work here in New Zealand on the Warriors stuff. Yep. So when the Warriors come home, hopefully sitting on panels talking about, you know, commentating the game. But at the moment, because the games aren't here, we're obviously on Sky Sport here in New Zealand uh, doing before the game, halftime and after the game conversations. Yep. Which is cool. I still, I'm still involved in rugby league. I talk about the Warriors, um, pros and cons, um, good or bad. I try and be as positive as I can, even if it's, you know, even if it has to be a little bit controversial, but it is what it is. You know, yep. that's who I am as a person. I'm honest. I say it how it is. Yep. But it's two games in, bro. The boys are going well. It's hard to judge on two games. Two games is nothing in, in any NRL season. So we'll, we'll get to about round 10 and then we can work out where things are going for the Warriors. Mm -hmm. um, so doing that, bro, and then... Um, also jumping on, uh, you know, my our local um, TV show, the Maldi TV, and talking all sports here in New Zealand, which is um, fun because uh, I obviously have to watch a lot of different sports now in New Zealand. Yep. Yep. UFC, rugby union, rugby league, uh, whatever there is in New Zealand, there's. Which sports do you find yourself watching the most, other than NRL? Oh, um, well, I think because I've got a couple of girls. One girl. The present one girl on the presenter on this couch is uh, rugby sevens girl, uh, and the other girl is a netball girl. So I think I 
like, well, to, to have that connection with the girls. Of yeah. Trying, trying to um, keep an eye on, obviously, uh, New Zealand netball and uh, the Sevens, because the Sevens girls are going over to Japan anyway for nine weeks. So the conversation about the Olympics and stuff like that, netball, the season hasn't started yet. So those are some of the topics that I have to get involved in and talk mm-hmm. about, which is um, a lot different to rugby league. Uh, we obviously had the um, sailing and stuff like that over here in New Zealand. That was a topic. We have um, just all Māori, all to do with Māori sportsmen, to be honest. So we're just trying to obviously give our people an opportunity that do really well, um, you know, a voice and get them. I give them a platform, yeah. We give them a platform. And Māori TV is a lot more relaxed, bro. It's, you know, you have a chat, you have a laugh. You get them out there just to get people to know who they are and get their face on the on telly and stuff like that. So that's that's me at the moment, as well as trying to finish off my uni that I started <laughs> in, in lockdown here in New Zealand. Before what course did you start? I started a Bachelor of Applied Management. So I got oh, wow. one, month, one month to go. Can't wait to finish that off just so that that's out of the way. Um, because I think when I went into, when we went to lockdown here, we never knew what the season was going to be ahead of us, if we were even going to go to work or not. Yep. So I applied for this uh, uni degree. I actually um, applied for the police force as well, uh, just because I guess if we're working in teams, um, you know, and I feel that, you know. You've got that team experience. About, I guess, looking after the community, that's a big part of what the police do. So I applied for that. I failed my psychometric test while I was in Australia, and uh. which was disappointing because I got all the way to then that area and then failed that which was hard thing to take at the time because i hate failing things and i hate you know i just want to make sure that i do things really well yep i missed that on the police force uh and that's supposed to go back up again in january but because everything just got busy for myself i'll put that on hold for now and i want to finish off my studies do all this other stuff plus hopefully the wife and i can start up a couple of businesses and um you know help help out there that should be awesome. Um, and one one last... No, honestly, that, that... Yeah, mate, I don't think I could ever do as many things like that, like or even in general, that many things on the go at once. And so a very big testament to you, mate. Um, last topic, I guess, is what advice would you give to any youngsters who are, you know... Because yourself, that's kind of what you do anyways. What advice would you give to any youngsters who'd love to make it in professional sport, rugby league, union, just whatever? Yeah, I think... I get this opportunity once a week when I'm at the club to, you know, a lot of kids come up to me and sit down and talk about, you know, what they can do to improve, I guess, their game or goals and um, a lot of questions around um, about how they can be better, obviously. And I, I guess for me, it's you've got to you've got to be competitive, number one. So you've got to want to win want to win everything and that's what I think they got me a fair way in in um, rugby league or in sports in general is that I hated losing and loved winning yep. um, no matter what it took to get there I would do everything possible to get there so you've got to be competitive you've got to have um, you've got to have a hard work ethic hard work ethic where that means you know um, you just work hard on every little part of you know, you're, I guess if you're going to be a rugby league player on your craft, you want to, you know, if it's your catch and pass, anything, you have to you have to work hard at it. And mm. and you can't stop working hard. And even when you've made the NRL, it doesn't stop there. So that's two. I think if there's something else, it's most probably sacrifices is a big, one of the biggest things. Um, that's most probably the first and foremost thing is you've got to be able to make pretty big sacrifices and a big commitment not only to yourself um, but to your friends and your family and stuff at times uh, and choosing your right friends uh, you know because no matter what happens uh, if they're your friends and truly your friends no matter what sacrifices it make they will understand the bigger picture where yeah. in, in your journey and where you're going so yeah sacrifice would be most probably my number one um, hard work at everything you do and don't stop working hard till you finish, you know, how many years later. And then you got to have that killer instinct. you got to be competitive. I think there's three things there that if anyone wants to take, any kids are listening or anyone, any parents are listening, those are the three things that you uh, want to have um, installed in your kids or, you know, installed in everything that they do. Well, honestly, that honest is perfect. Um, 
and, and that is a lot that um, anyone who's listening, whether it's from grassroots to even if they're a coach of the grassroots, can take that, you know, and really go from there. So thank you very much for that. And that basically wraps it up. So first of all, I want to thank anyone who's been tuning in or watching and listening. Um, and this will also be up on Spotify and Apple and all those audio places within the next two hours. And I want to thank you, Adam, for joining me today for a chat on the podcast. Easy, bro. A pleasure, man. I know you've been chasing me for a while. and <laughs> I have, but hey. It's like, bloody hell, uh, <laughs> I better say yes to this fella. He's not going to stop. <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah, nah, awesome, bro. It's um, It's been a pleasure. Um, if, yeah, like like I said before, if, and like you said, if anyone can take anything from it, it's much better those last three things uh, that I mentioned about, um, you know, being, I guess, just being a better person in general, you know what I mean? And those things will take you a long way as well so yeah happy for my my time given to you and yeah hopefully someone grabs something from that well fingers crossed hey and yeah again thank you very much mate and have a good rest of your day off awesome cj cheers brother thank you mate